Hello and welcome back to Eldritch Girl. This is now chapter 10, so we've only got two chapters left to go for part two of The Day We Ate Grandad. Um, chapter 10 is A Heavy Grief to Me, which is a translation of the Kani Heleth from the Red Book of Hergest, um, number 16, which is Skeen's translation of the four ancient books of Wales, the full text available at the Celtic Literature Collective. Content warnings for this chapter, pretty much the same uh, as the whole book. Like, I can't think of anything really specific, specific for this one. There's um, a lot of physical distress, emotional distress, and mental distress. Um, There is a lot of self-harm in this one, actually. So I know that I've given content warnings across the board for that, but this is quite specifically grief-related self-harm. So there's that. Um, So this is quite an emotional one. And I think that's about it. Thanks again, go to Jemadiah for the theme tune. And if you do want to join my Kofi, you still can. Go to kofi.com forward slash cmrosens to leave me a tip for the podcast. I would really appreciate it. Um, I'm not monetizing the podcast. You are listening to this entirely for free. Um, but I would really appreciate it if you could help me to continue to do this. Um, so if you could uh, just re- drop a tip in the jar for <laughs> three quid um, and that will be that would be really, 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 really good. Thank you so much. Chapter 10. A Grief Heavy to Me. 28th of April. Ricky sat in the long barrow in Barrow Field and lost time. This had been his sanctuary as a child and a rebellious teen when his most defiant self-defeating objective had been to obliterate the gift that his family tried to capitalise on when all he really wanted was to hide away alone. He was sober as the hard-packed soil, silent as the stones quarried five millennia ago by hands like his own. His tendrils dug into the ground and rooted him into the last resting place of the chieftains, knowing he didn't belong here either. He didn't know how long he'd been there, but something roused him from his lethargy. A rumble in his soul. A sharp crack in his breastbone. Ricky jolted fully awake with a sensation of something inside him bursting or breaking, clutching his chest. His first thought was a heart attack. He didn't know if it was possible for him to even have one of those, but his thoughts ran aground in agony. It subsided with a marrow-deep ache in his ribs, and he dared to withdraw his tendrils and stand up. Fuck, am I dying? No, that's not what Wes said he saw. Ricky looked around for robed figures, but he was alone. What the pest was that about? He breathed deeper, kneading the mistress. Kneading her? That was a cannonball to the chest. Ricky hadn't needed anyone since he was ten years old. What time is it? He fumbled in his pocket for a piece of her, expecting the fragment of tile to be warm to the touch, but all he found was clay dust. Had he forgotten it? No, how could he? He never left without a fragment of her, even if she wasn't talking to him. The clay stained his fingers, stinging. Ricky stared at his skin as it reddened with the irritation. Suspicion crept over him, but he couldn't bring himself to name it. No, not that. She wouldn't. She wouldn't banish him. But why had the tile crumbled? What had broken inside him? His chest tightened. He couldn't bring himself to leave the burial chamber for a while in case the world outside had changed beyond his recognition, or worse, if it was the same when it had no right to be. 
If anything had happened to her, the world ought to be a blazing waste. If he emerged to find it moving slowly on and she wasn't part of it, he'd lay waste to it all by himself. Ricky stayed still, convincing himself it was all in his head. The pain wasn't real. The tile could be explained. The empty, hollow ache in his ribs was nothing at all. But he still needed her. Rubbing his chest to help the ache subside, he forced himself out of the main burial chamber and towards the entrance. The barred gate ensured his privacy, but the locks were no challenge for him. He replaced the padlock on his way out, giving the new heritage sign that said, Danger, no entry, a customary nod. Greasy static hummed against his lips like an unwelcome kiss. Catherine was standing naked and slippery with new skin in the field, and he didn't know why the sight of her filled him with dread. "'What's going on?' she demanded. "'Wes told me to fetch you. I thought you'd be miles away or something. Why couldn't he find you himself?' Ricky jerked his head at the barrow. Not even Gran could get at me in there. Catherine held out her hand. Can I have your hoodie or something, please? He pulled it off and held it out. She gave him a long glance up and down and he bridled under it, but she took it and pulled it on. It didn't quite cover everything, but it would have to do. Are you drunk? She kept her distance from him. No. He resented that, although he had no right to. She didn't seem convinced. Why are you out here, then? I can go wherever I want, Ricky snapped. I belong here, not like you in your fancy house letting Gran feed you every little thing. I could have taught you better. But you'd have none of it, would you? And now you think you can come and fetch me? He spat on the ground, seething with nameless fear and determined not to show it. No, I don't... Wes said we need to go back to the house or I wouldn't have bothered. Katie's face was full of hurt for reasons he couldn't fathom, and he preferred to focus on that, on the truths she hid from him, than on what this ominous summons could portend. His ribs ached, heart hammering in its cold cage. What do you want from me, Catherine? Her tail, the only part of her glory that she couldn't hide in her human skin, flicked out. You're the only one who knows what this is like, she managed, forcing it out and spitting the words at him. He... I don't want to live in London or in a fancy house, she swallowed a sob. I'd rather live with you, that's how messed up this is. Bloody coked up waste of air, one job, Wesley, you had one bleeding job. He watched her force shaky breaths into a steadier rhythm, and her long segmented bone tail extended over her head like a scorpion. She was small and frail in comparison to the canine colossus full of teeth that broke out of her body. Ricky eyed the tail warily, but took a few paces towards her. He patted her shoulder, and she crumpled into him. He braced himself to bear her weight. Katie turned her head away from his neck, head resting on his shoulder. She was crying. He rubbed her back. Hey. He took a deep breath, knowing he'd regret it, but the tug in his chest was too strong. You can stay with us, but something's not right. We need to go. Don't you feel it? Katie pulled away. You promise you're not drinking, or high. Ricky rolled his eyes. Promise. For a moment, with her face like that, she was a mirror of his own boyhood looking back at him. His chest swelled in pain. Hey. Ricky cupped her cheek and it was cold under his palm. He rubbed the tears away with his thumb. Stop crying now. Katie managed to nod. Her eyes were big and swimming with regret. Ricky, you know, if you'd said, like, if you'd asked me, don't... Ricky swallowed. I wouldn't have touched your mum and dad. I wouldn't have. You didn't have to. 
Ricky pulled away from her and spat on the ground, feeling sick. Had to be one of us, he said at last. Had to be me. He dropped his shoulders and jerked his head at her. She took a shaky breath. Can I really stay with you? If there's anywhere to stay. Saying it out loud nearly choked him. Come on. They walked together across the field, skirting the chase, not saying anything else. As they got nearer, he began to hear something horribly familiar, something he had grown up with until it had seeped into the fabric of his being. The siren song of the ownerless house, seeping through the trees and reaching out for someone to possess her. Ricky stumbled and nearly fell, not looking where he was going. What's that? Katie asked, catching his arm. She could hear it too. Ricky couldn't speak. He broke into a run, pounding through the trees and nettles, brambles catching his bare skin, Katie following barefoot and frightened for what they were going to find. He sensed her fear, and it didn't help. She was still whole. When he saw her just the same, the sight took the wind out of him, and he doubled over, panting hard. She was still whole. He'd expected a ruin or a blazing husk. Katie came jogging up behind him, and her first thought was not the house, but her brother. Oh my God, your hands! Katie went straight to Wes, whom Ricky hadn't even noticed. Oh my God, your face! Yeah, blink and you won't remember, Wes said, turning his head on purpose. If you think trying to get in was rough, try being inside trying to get out. Ricky's heart seized. She's not. She's not, is she? Oh God, Wes shook his head, a blur of slowly healing curse damage. Mate, I'm so sorry. I... Ricky didn't hear anything else. His knees locked, legs weak. He staggered forwards to the wall a few paces before he dropped hard to the grass. He forgot what day it was, how many weeks had passed since his last bender in the aftermath and all that had passed between them. It's because I haven't been looking after her, he murmured, gruff voice low and sinking into a whisper. And she's right, that's fair. I haven't. I promised her and I went and... And I went and it... He trailed off. It wasn't real. It was in his head. It couldn't be true. How could she not know she owned herself? He wasn't her master. How could she have forgotten the best of who she was? Had he not rescued Carrie after all? Had that been a dream, just wishful thinking? He got lost in his imagination sometimes, but not like that. He pulled himself up and approached the fence, reaching out a gentle hand. Don't, Wes barked at him. But Ricky knew there was nothing to fear from the curse, not for him. She'd made him the first exception. He'd made history there a year ago, and she'd not take that pack. No, she'll remember, Ricky whispered, certain. He was nearly touching the stone of the wall where the wire was set in cement. She'll know me. Don't, Wes repeated softer, but Ricky brushed this off. Wes didn't know what they had. She would remember him. He touched the wall, and his hands sizzled like he dipped his fingers in boiling bacon fat. Ricky yelped in pain and surprise, pulling back, shaking his hand in the air to soothe it. No, no, it's all right, it's all right, he swallowed, rubbing his fingers on his chest. Presumptuous. You're pissed off, yeah? My fault, darling. It's my fault, whatever. No, no, I know what I'd done. He reached out with his other hand, tentatively outstretched, as if to a skittish horse, inches from the stone. His lips jerked into a wobbly smile, doubts starting to rise in a wave. Come on, darling, don't be like that. I messed this all up. I'm sorry. His voice caught. I'll do the attic out for you like you wanted. Get that cleared, make it nice. Tell me what you want and I'll do it. Just talk to me. Wes cleared his throat. Mate, the pendle stone broke. It broke. She's... She needs fixing. It's not because of you. We need to figure this out. Ricky ignored him. 
that Pendlestone couldn't break. Darling, please, I swear I'll do whatever you want. Tears strangled him. He swallowed them down, pleading with her. You just have to let me in, sweetheart. You, you could give me one more chance, one last chance. What do you say? Set your terms, I'll sign anything. I'll seal in blood, just let me in. She wouldn't let him beg for nothing. She wouldn't. She wasn't like that. Ricky was inches from the wall, feeling it resist him. Please, my love, I've got no right to ask her no, and you have every right to say no. Of course you do, but you're my best friend. You're the only... He stopped. For a moment, he thought the song changed, a slight shift in pitch, a warmer feel to the resonance vibrating in his gut. He laid his hand fully on the wall. He held it there, even as the curse took his skin off, even as it bubbled and spread over his wrist and blistered in acid burns. Eventually, Ricky yanked his hand back, swearing and roared into the sky. What is it? That sounded like Katie. Ricky had forgotten all about her. Why won't she's broken? Where said too loudly, too fast, too blunt. Ricky fell silent. He turned to his cousins clustered under his old tree, the two of them united in their expressions of pity. Ricky held his blistered arm against his bare chest, cast out, alone. He didn't know what to do. Wes and Katie were a unit, and he had never been part of their sibling group. Carrie was gone. Fairwood resisted him, and he couldn't go home. There was nothing left. Katie's tail extended swiftly, clicking out in an anxious sway. She forced it back with visible difficulty, shock etched on her face. Wes stared at the nearest tree. I'm trying to tell you, just, just listen. They opened a portal and, uh, I closed it. We, we closed it. She said, she said she could hear the priests. We had to. I couldn't do it on my own. She did it with me and rage took over. He charged Wes and his cousin went down hard. Ricky gripped him around his neck, throttling him. It was his fault. He didn't want to hear anything else. Wes kicked the air, clawing at his arms. He heard Katie shouting, but he was too murderous to listen. Katie grabbed him, punching him with all her force in his scarred side, and the explosion of pain made him release Wes and back off. Wes choked in relief and rolled onto his side, coughing. Fuck! You did this! Ricky snarled, raising his hands as Katie got between them. I didn't! You let her! You let! Wes cursed. I'm not this family's fucking punching bag. Calm the fuck down and listen to me. Leave him alone. Katie was poised, facing Ricky down. He fainted around her, but she didn't fall for it, blocking her brother from him, no matter how he tried to get at him. I didn't let her. She chose to. Wes shook his head and tried to get up. Don't hit me. I'm not your enemy, Richard. You ain't my fucking friend. Ricky started pacing. Katie, an impassable barrier. You think taking me out for a beer when you feel like it is what I want from you? Just because you make me feel good, you can do what you want, you can take what you want. Wes watched him warily, rubbing his neck. Look, I didn't open the other portal. That was a coincidence. It just happened that I was there. It's not a coincidence, Ricky snarled, spinning around and squaring up to him. Nothing is a coincidence. Well, then fine, it's not a coincidence, but it's not my fault. Wes stood firm, but Ricky knew he was praying they wouldn't actually fight. Think you're angry. I get that, but I'm not angry. Ricky covered his face with both hands, the acid burns no longer hurting. You think I'm angry? Shit me. He shook his head, red coals glowing in his pupils. A year 
A whole year I've been in that house. Do you know how long I've wanted? He worked his jaw, fighting for control, and exhaled. Do you know how long I've wanted her? Since you were five. Since I was fucking five! Katie hadn't said anything, but she was close to crying. I'll be thirty in a few months, Ricky said. His lips twitched. I thought I'd... I thought I'd got everything I ever wanted. And I... I messed it all up, didn't I? His voice cracked. I lost her. His eyes brimmed with tears, finally breaking. I lost her, haven't I? No. Katie shook her head firmly, arms folded. No, we'll get her back, right? We can get her back. She turned to Wes, frowning. Wait, they opened another portal. Who's they? The cult, I guess, right? And you closed it using the pendlestone, and that's what that weird surge was, the whatever I felt. Wes nodded, but he was watching Ricky. Yeah. So they could open it again? Not for a while. We fucked it for them. I felt it. If our side cracked, so did theirs. They'll have to rebuild their entire shrine. Right, but then... Katie scratched at her arm. The only thing powerful enough to close it is... in there. Wes nodded. Yeah, I guess. Katie lowered her voice with wide eyes. Wes, what happens if we can't get back in? Ricky shook his head and approached the wall again, trying the other side this time, murmuring Carrie's name, willing her to wake up for the house to remember she was part of its fabric now. He touched the wall again, his palm pressed fully against the stone, murmuring to it. There was a slight delay, not in the burning, but in feeling it. It hadn't worked. Ricky ripped himself away with another roar of pain, clutching his twice-blistered hand into his chest. Wes groaned. She didn't... she didn't mean it. Ricky got out between sobs of pain, shaking his head. She... she didn't mean it. We're screwed, Katie murmured. Ricky jogged around to the wire and Wes followed some way behind. Ricky, stop it. She just needs... Ricky stopped, staring at the lawns beyond the wire. He started whispering to himself a jumble of confused words that didn't make sense even to him. Richard! Ricky scratched his blisters, swaying. His skin ripped off under his nails, then his flesh as he dug his fingers deeper. He ripped at himself, the only thing left to do. Ricky! Wes came closer and saw what he was doing. Oh, Christ! Ricky, stop! Ricky's hand was oozing blood and jagged scratches he couldn't feel, but it wasn't enough. He needed to rip everything he was into gory ribbons. Katie came around his injured side and Wes tried to pull his other hand away. Between them, they got him down on the ground, holding an arm each, and at their touch, he broke down. I'm sorry, he managed, willing himself to remember Wes's expression, but it slid through his mind like running water. Wes didn't say anything, but he didn't let him go. Ricky curled upon the ground with Katie and Wes holding him down. Their warm, firm pressure was too much like affection, and he couldn't stop it triggering his tears. He sobbed beneath them, his whole body shuddering with grief and pain. He didn't know who or what to pray to, and he couldn't find the words anyway. How did you manage this? A rich Welsh voice asked in tones of deep disappointment, and it lanced into Ricky's chest like a barb from his father. He flung his cousins off and charged at the fence, only to recoil with a howl and sizzling skin. He started to change, coils bursting from his sides, thick lengths lashing at the air and being repelled in the same way as his human form. Cut it out! Katie got in his way. Ricky panted hard, barely seeing her, but a tiny pinprick of sense stopped him touching her. Katie took a slow, deep breath, tilting her chin. I'm not moving, she said quietly. I won't let you hurt yourself. 
Ricky tensed, shaking, tendrils lashing inches away from her. She didn't flinch. You going to hit me? Katie asked quietly. Is that what you're going to do? He realised he'd raised his fist. He had no idea he had. With effort, he relaxed and took a step back. No. Are you going to hurt me? Katie took a small step forwards. Ricky frowned, shaking his head. No. No, I'd never... Not you, don't you know that? She tentatively put her arms around his neck and he let her. Nice afternoon, the man said, unperturbed. Now, if that's out of your system, is there something you need to ask me? Ricky grimaced. Don't need to be schooled by you. The man shrugged. You took my secrets quick enough, but you didn't want to take any of the responsibility. But now, stroked his beard. Now I think it's time. Whose power do you want? What do you want to be? Her lodger, Ricky said. Wes snorted. You want more than that. You're not fooling him or her. Master, then. Ricky squared up to the man behind the fence, but Katie didn't budge, standing her ground between them. The man didn't look impressed. And that's all? You'd fight like a tiger to get back in here just to have her call you Mr. Richard, Master of Fairwood, would you? That's what you really want? I thought your temple should be the sky and the grass. Ricky glared at Merthyn's robe, the way he'd combusted Grand's poisonous bouquet and lit Gerald's funeral pyre a year ago, and a low flame and whisper smoke danced on the hem of it. Merthyn shook his head, wild grey hair a tangled mane around his shoulders. Ricky was the mouse to his lion, the inconsequential grub he had been before the giant arachnid of his father, and prey was all he was and had ever been. He couldn't make Merthyn do anything, and he didn't have the power to do it himself. The fire should have engulfed the prophet, but the single flame flickered and went out. Ricky groaned. Merthyn's face darkened, his wrinkles smoothing, his mane and beard turning from grey to brown. He set his jaw in contempt, and Ricky cringed from it. I have been a river, Merthyn snapped, eyes blazing with the insult. I have been the waves in Cardigan Bay. I have been the waterfalls along the Nedvechan. His years fell back around him, the full weight and glory of them, and he seemed to fill the whole world, although he remained a man no taller than Ricky himself. I am the prophet of water and fields of battle blood, and you, plagiarizer, you bring fire against me, drawn from the words of another, words you never composed, as if they are your own to command. Haven't you seen a campfire taken away by the tide and drowned? Well, prophesy to me, soothsayer. Prophesy to me. Tell me the future of your fire. Ricky was torn from the ground and smacked back against the tree, as if a freezing wave had broken in his belly. He thudded back against the trunk, the shouts of his cousins echoing in his head and choked on brine, hawking up seawater. Foam and a strand of kelp bubbled up his throat and he spat on the ground, gagging. There were spots of blood in the foam. He tried to keep calm, but his heart was hammering so fast it hurt, and none of this was helping Carrie. He struggled upright and Wes caught hold of him. He couldn't prophesy his own fate to the old bastard or even pretend that he could. Merthyn kept up that calm tone with its edge of mockery, setting Ricky's teeth on edge. You've outgrown houses, isn't that right? Only a couple of days ago those were your thoughts, weren't they? All because you're not her master? Don't say that in front of her, Ricky said, raking his bleeding hand over his skull until Katie tugged it down. You get out of my bloody head! Oh, gladly, but I seem to live there by consent. Merlin cocked his head at Katie, a twinkle in his eyes. What's the phrase? Rent free? Ricky bridled with denial. I don't think about you. 
I never did know a soothsayer who was a good liar. Merlin arched an eyebrow. And believe me, I long for the day I do not have to inhabit your mind, but I never go where I'm not wanted, and I'm not one to refuse hospitality freely given. Now, I suppose you want her back. Yes, Ricky spat the word like poison and Katie flinched. Merlin seemed not to notice. And what will you give for that? Anything. He knew it was a bloody daft thing to say. He didn't care. He meant it. Wes groaned. Don't say that. You don't know what he wants. Then you'd better come with me. Merlin ducked under the wire and beckoned. Just you. No, I'm coming too. Katie refused to let go of Ricky's arm. He's not going on his own. Not when he says stupid things like that. He's not well. I'm not leaving him. No, Wes said. You just changed. You need to eat. You took Layla home, right? Can you go back to her and make sure she's okay? I'll fill you in here. Ricky stared at him. Why? But if your guts start dissolving, you'll be no use to him, will you? Wes pointed out. I was with her when she broke, and someone needs to watch his back. Katie gave Ricky a long look. Don't hit him again. Ricky shook his head, lips twitching. Sorry about that. He wasn't quite in control. The hard edge of manic intensity was still there, vibrating in his soul. Wes shrugged it off. Seriously, don't. I can't fucking fight you, man. But I can have your back. I want to this time. What, so I just stay home and play bodyguard to a random cousin? Katie rolled her eyes. I'm more powerful than either of you. Won't do any of us any good where he's from, Ricky murmured, remembering leather-skinned books of vellum and illuminated letters in the archives of Pagamon Sea Library. Now nah, we'll be all right, love, if anything happens to us. He didn't know how to finish that sentence. We'll hurry back, Wes assured her. Merlin pointed into the trees and Ricky understood. He jerked his head. Come on if you're coming. This is such bullshit, Katie complained. Ricky patted her back and headed in the direction Merlin pointed, not waiting to see if Wes was following or not.